and welcome to the Folk Podcast, episode 71. Today, we're talking about offerings. And the reason we're talking about this is because, honestly, I haven't talked about this on the channel in a very long time. I kind of, well, I have given offerings, but I haven't talked about the physical act of giving offerings in a while as far as, like, you know, how to. Um, just because I, I made that one video a couple of years ago, and I just really haven't had the desire to make another one. But it's still a question I get all the time in my inboxes, and I know it's a question a lot of people in the community get as well. Um, and it seems like a lot of people coming to the Discord have the same question. So um, today with the co-host, I wanted to talk about offerings, um, kind of go over some of our first offerings and things like that. But first off, uh, how are you guys doing? I know, Caleb, you're in the middle of being sick. I just got over being sick. And uh, Ian, I don't know, you're just still looking like a guy that ties women up to a, you know, a train track and leaves them. <laughs> Listen, it's the mustache that's coming in with the beard and everything. Look, can we stick with like, I look like Leonidas? No, I'm going to stick a with 19, <laughs> 19, what, 30s black and white <laughs> silent film. Do you know? Villain. You know we can't be nice to you. We have to bust your <laughs> the, the moment I, we got on this call and I was like, damn, dude, you kind of look like Leonidas. You like, your posture changed. You were fucking glowing. You're like, ooh, I do kind of look like Leonidas. Like, I was like, oh man, we got to bring this guy down. Yeah, go get, go get your leather Speedo and big red fucking cape. Oh, shit, nobody, nobody wants to see that. No, no. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, with that image burned into everybody's minds, um, I do want to ask you guys, uh, first question here. Do you remember the first offering you ever gave? You know, like I was, I was trying to think of like the very first one, like when we were kind of talking about what we were going to discuss on here. And honestly, I, I am trying to remember. I would, I would have to say this is so long ago. Like I, I, I don't, I, I want to say it was, you know how old you were? Yeah, I would say this would have been my first one as far as Norse paganism goes would have been about a year or so after I kind of backed away from the Celtic paganism. Cause I never did, I did one offering with like the Celtic paganism stuff. So I guess technically that would have been my first offering in any form of paganism. Um, but as far as the Norse go, it would have probably been about a year or so after that. And it would have been to, I, if I had to guess, it probably would have been to Odin. I feel like that's a pretty standard thing. I just can't remember the specifics about it or roughly like, a year so i would say probably around 20 maybe 20 12 13 ish somewhere around there so it's been a hot minute you know and i did it that one time and i never i don't i didn't really do a whole lot with offerings for a very long time after that because i did more like reading research stuff and then more of like i don't know it wasn't quite to like the part like on par with what i do now um, it wasn't quite as like consistent or anything like that so but I have to say, yeah, it would have been like around 2013. It's probably a solid, solid time frame. Uh, I remember my first one was, it was either the day that I did challenge store. It was like the day after the challenge store. I don't remember exactly the day, but I remember I had just went to the store like earlier that week and got like this giant, like three pound pack of pork chops. And so I grilled those and then gave them the Thor. And I was like, I'm sorry for challenging you. <laughs> that was my first, dude. I was like, I didn't know what to do. And I knew I hadn't, I mean, I've, I get, I think I've talked about it. I, yeah, I had to, because we took, we've done 71 fucking episodes. So <laughs> I know I've mentioned it before, but yeah, I, the way that I, that I found the gods was I decided to challenge Thor to prove me he was real. And he did it scared the shit out of me. So I was just like, please don't kill me. <laughs> Here's three pounds of pork chops. <laughs> like what was that like like did it happen and you're like man i need to get this man some pork chops <laughs> no i was looking in my freezer i was like oh that'd be great because the only thing i know is that he likes a fuck ton of food <laughs> oh my gosh uh i will say i actually don't think i can remember my first offering nor when it was i think i, I would say oh gosh i'm trying to think the, the earliest I can probably remember is when I was doing monthly rituals to the moon. So basically, my religious practice there for a while, I would say for about two years, was just me every full moon would go out with my friend at the time. And we would have a small little fire. I mean, I'm talking this looked like like a redneck fire because I lived in a place where I mean, I lived in like a two story townhome at the time. I mean, I think like two videos were filmed there uh, before I moved. 
Um, and we had like a driveway outside the garage and the ba- like the bottom area and then like a little patch of grass. And then that was basically it. And so we would have like this little tiny bowl where we would put some like tinder and sticks in there and have this like little tiny fire that looked like <laughs> it just looked like a hobo fire, like in the middle of this driveway. And we would sit out and look at the full moon and uh, we would put little tiny offerings in there. Um, and what we would usually do is write a poem. And then we would put the poem in the fire and burn it for the moon. So, yeah, I would say we did that pretty consistently for about a year or two, something like that. Um, The first big offering I can remember leaving was a rack of lamb. No, no, no. It wasn't a rack of lamb. No, I honestly, I can't remember the first big offering. I do know, like, right when I started The Wisdom of Odin. So this was, you know, a little over two years ago. Yeah, but I would say the first big one, which I still have this bone in my altar space, is I remember I was with my friend Haley, who was with me when I kind of first conceptualized um, the wisdom of Odin. And I, we went to the store and I was like, I need to go give a, get an offering for Odin. She was like, okay. And so she wanted it off somewhere. And I went to like the butcher counter at this pretty big Kroger. And they had like a $38 tomahawk steak. And it was just looking at me. And I mean, if you've ever seen a tomahawk steak, these things are huge. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this tomahawk steak the Odin. And so I bought this thing and was walking around uh, freaking Kroger with this thing like an axe because I was just so proud of myself for spending like $40 on this hunk of meat I was going to burn for Odin. Um, and yeah, so that was probably the first. And keep in mind, I burned this 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 freaking steak in that little hobo fire that I had going to. Like I cut it up into little cubes and would like feed it into the fire slowly. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the first big major offering I think I can remember. I thought it took like two hours. Dude, it took a while. It took a while, let me tell you. Um, the worst offering as far as like my early, early days before I really understood anything and I was still kind of like figuring things out. <laughs> so I kept the little thing that I burned everything in like a little, it was like a little silver bowl outside my house. And I would usually leave like liquor or something like stuff like that in there, a little wine. Um, and I had like a little altar, like right at the staircase going up into the house. And one, I, one time I thought it would be a good idea to leave food in there. I was like, oh, I'll just leave like a steak in there. I was really big into giving steaks at this time. And I, I put like a ribeye in there, like a raw ribeye steak. <laughs> and I think that night it rained. And so you just had this like wet steak sitting in this bowl, like congealing. And I got back like the next day and it was just like, so like gross smelling and like souring and wet and moldy. It was so gross. But luckily that night I was actually going out to clean it up and a possum was at the altar basin ripping the steak out of this like this disgusting steak out of this bowl and carrying it into the woods and i was like well i don't it's not my problem anymore <laughs> it is funny like <clears throat> kind of thinking like looking back at the way that you've done things in the past and and the offering that you've done and just some of it is so cringy too when you kind of look back at it you're just like oh man like why did I do that or like why did I think that offer was a good idea or or that location you know I mean it's just part of like the learning process of doing things but yeah it's it's it was it's I remember like kind of going into it and in the beginning of it and even sometimes it's so it can be a little awkward sometimes especially if you're doing something with like say a new deity you kind of just like i don't know if this is this is doing anything i don't know if this is the right thing i don't know if they like they liked it or you know what i mean it's just it right out of the gate i would say like being like a baby pagan so to speak it was always just very awkward i'm just like i don't know if i'm doing this right i don't know i don't know do my hands you know what do i say what do i give i I know that's a big big question that a lot of people will ask um is like what what are good things to offer and you know how like how period dot do i make an offering like what's the process i think it would be good uh if you guys want to share real quick here um did you have any offerings like the one i just described where they were like you know or what you say like cringy in a way where you just look back and you're like oh why did i do that do you guys have any offerings that you're just like ooh, yeah i don't i I don't want people to know that but i'm gonna tell them now (laughs) yeah i have i have done something like that uh it was with uh it was for tier 
actually, um, which is funny because for a lot of people that know me, and I mean, I've kind of talked about it here. Like, I don't really, I don't really mess with here. I don't really do a lot of stuff with him, um, given other deities that I work with and stuff like that. But it was a time where I, I, I did make a couple offerings, and I was like, what do I have on me? I felt compelled to do it. It's one of those things where I felt like I should do it. And I was thinking, what do I have in my house right now that I think Tier would like? I had alcohol, so that was that was pretty easy. And then I was thinking a meat, like some kind of meat that Tier would like. And I was like, oh, I have pickled herring. I'll have some like pickled herring with him. Yeah. And I love, listen, pickled herring is delicious. Don't <laughs> knock it. Um, but so yeah, I that's what I had I decided to do as an, give as an offering. And I have for most of my my uh, author spaces, even like my overall general one that if I do stuff that's not specific to one particular DD, it's like the one I'll do for, you know, uh, anybody essentially that I, I don't work with primarily. Uh, I have like a separate cup sort of thing, like vessel for liquids. And then I have, it's a metal, I think it was like, it's meant to be like a candle platform. So it's a nice like flat, slightly curved dish. Um, and I'll use that for the actual physical like foods and stuff like that. And I put these like two or three pieces of pickled herring on it. And then I was like, all right, it's pickled herring is super, you know, vinegary. It's not going to be like super bad or anything like that. And I came back, like I let it sit and I made an offering, came back the next day. And these things were like pieces of jerky basically but like still kind of not fully jerky they weren't fully dried and it was sticking to the this uh, like plate thing and I had to like scrape it off I was just like oh this is so gross and it just that my like altar room that I had at the time this is when I was living in New Mexico like it it just smelled like vinegar like pickled fish basically for that whole day so I burned I saged it and I burned like three different sticks of incenses to get rid of the smell open the windows and stuff like that luckily it went away but yeah I just like walked in and was like oh I should probably clean that you know I'm not gonna leave meat around but it's kind of similar to like your your possum steak situation <laughs> except it was in my house and it was fish which I feel like is almost worse because I didn't have a possum to come and eat it and oh uh, yeah it was it was pretty grody it was pretty, it was pretty gross <laughs> I was having trouble thinking of something, <clears throat> but I remember early on, I was really big about using like wooden slices or like, you know, how you can go to like Walmart or Hobby Lobby or whatever. You can get those like wooden rounds that have like the, the bark on the outside of it. I was big on using those as like offering plates because I was like, it's hundred percent natural or natural as I could get without going and cutting it down and doing it myself. Um, and I, it was a similar thing where I had like, I always like my steaks rare, so I would always cook a steak rare because um, I, you know, I think that's the best way. Uh, and I think I left it for like, when I guess I say rare, it's like rare for me is just like I sear it on the outside. I've seen so it. It's, it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> You're over here at Cracker Barrel ordering rare steaks, Caleb. Who orders rare steaks at Cracker Barrel? I don't know. I wanted a rare steak. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best i could get at the time <laughs> but yeah uh and so this thing like it's not you know it's pretty much just raw in the middle basically <laughs> and so it just i think i left it out i left it in just like on the altar for like two days and this thing had like literally had glued itself to that piece of wood and there was just like the, it had like soaked into it from like the blood that dripped out and it stained the wood it kind of warped it all kinds of shit. And I was like, fuck. I don't even remember who I gave the offering to. <laughs> I'll be honest. Probably Odin though. Yeah, that, that was kind of like how the pickled herring was. Like it had it had like adhered itself to this metal like candle holder base. And I I literally had to take it down to my kitchen and uh take like a I think I took a, a spoon or something to like just pry it off and it was so bad I, like i actually had to like sit there and soak the platform like in water and like warm water and like soap it and everything like that to clean it properly i was just like i'm never doing that again at least not for that long if i were going to give it outside so that way i could stick it on like a, a rock or something that i'm not going to care you know if it has some 
Something yeah. I still have not learned yeah. is what alcohol forms mold and which ones don't. <laughs> Wine definitely does. Yeah, um, can't confirm. Um, beer yep, does. Found that a- yeah, beer will do that. Yeah, and most of my stuff is wine. Oh, imagine. Yeah, I think uh, like high alcohol, con- the higher the alcohol content, the less likely it is to form it. I think is the rule. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I've offered, I've, I've given gin as like as an alcohol offering, and who are you that, giving gin I, to? Who is this old English god drinking gin? I've heard a lot of people uh, give gin to Loki. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what I did it for. That's what I've given. Yeah, that's what I've, I've given it to Loki, and I've actually given Gross. it to Heimdall actually. Listen, gin is gin is a, a tasteful palate. You know, you gotta have a refined palate. <laughs> oh yes, gin. let's drink some oh. gin down at the tavern. <laughs> but I know, like with stuff like that, and I mean, and vodka as well. I know it. Uh, you can leave that, and it essentially just evaporates over time, which is almost a very weird to watch or like like witness. Like that is something that you can leave in an offering vessel, like for for holding liquids or whatever, and it won't mold. It doesn't do anything. Maybe it's just a clear li- like liquor thing, but yeah, like I'll, I can come back to uh, a, a clear liquor offering and like two days later, and it's essentially gone. It's just evaporated at that point. And, and also, I'm sure it depends on the uh, the vessel, like whatever you use it in. Like that one, I have like a it's like a ceramic. I think it's meant to be like a pot, like a plant pot. I don't know, but it works. I've had uh, I've had offerings of bourbon and scotch evaporate, but they take much longer. It's yeah. like a week to two weeks, depending on how much I put in the cup. Yeah, they, uh, I'm trying to think the last thing I offered, uh, but I just cleaned it out like a couple days ago. Um, and I think I had left it right before I left for California and I completely forgot about it. Um, and it was just in my little cup, but it turned into like a syrup. Like all the liquid had evaporated from it, and all that was left was just like this corn syrup sticky base, and it was so hard uh, to clean out. I know, I know, some like dry. I've noticed that drier red wines will do that. It forms almost like a weird, uh, like putty, like red putty. That it. I mean, it's kind of easy to clean out, but yeah, it's weird. Alcohol does some weird things. Yeah, yeah. like I, I, I like. <laughs> I rinsed it out and then like nothing came out. Like the water was clear as I was rinsing it out. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I like dipped my fingers in it to like see. And I came back with like this black slime. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen with red wines before. So. And I think it also depends on what you put it into. So a lot of my my primary offering bowls that I use like Suffer Hell, um, it's a copper, uh, like hammered copper bowl one I, I enjoy the aesthetic of copper personally and it's just they're perfect small little like I would say it's probably about this the width and yeah I'd say the width and half the depth of about your average coffee mug um and size and everything like that and with with using stuff like copper if you don't actually take like copper polish to it it definitely tarnishes which I don't mind because it obviously shows use for it like and I feel like with hell, it, it just kind of adds to the vibe, um, you know, and just everything else that I have on her her particular altar space. But um, I know, like sometimes with that stuff, it just it it'll tarnish or change whatever it is. So like you, Caleb, with using you know living wood, basically, well, not quite living wood, but wood. I know that can affect stuff with how it warps and whatnot. Um, I think what I'm, I'm still I'm still uh, trapped in my syrup thing. I think it was bourbon. I offer bourbon quite a bit. Um, just mm-hmm. simply, I think it's because I'm in Kentucky. Uh, but it, <laughs> it, I've noticed it doesn't mold, which is nice. I mean, one thing I, I honestly really hate about giving beer is the fact that it, it molds pretty quick. Honestly, like it only takes a couple days before you start getting some real nasty floaters on there. If I remember correctly, yep. the worst time I don't know how long it had been. I really don't. But I left beer on my altar space. Uh, I it had to be for weeks. And I just, I, I remember walking by one day and I looked down and it was just straight green and white mold coming out of the cup. And I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, I am so sorry. And I got to wash this thing out. And as soon as I put water to it, there's like this, this cloud, like this vapor cloud. I was like, oh, this is how I die. <laughs> this is, I let the gods down hey, and didn't clean it. Like, yep. Oh yeah. I put like, I had like a mask nearby. I put the mask on. I was trying to clean this thing out, shoved it in the dishwasher, ran, ran it by itself. Oh man, it was rough. That is one thing that I, I do try to I try to say consistent about is 
if I if I leave an offering that I know is going to potentially uh, mold or you know if it's a meat thing, uh, if I'm doing it in my house, I definitely make sure that I properly dispose of it within you know either by the end of the, depending on what time of the day I make said offering, I will try to you know get rid of it within that day or that following morning. So if like most of my offerings I would do you know, at nighttime and, you know, if it was something like a meat or a, a, you know, something that could mold or perish, I guess, um, would be, I guess, proper term, but basically anything that would get nasty within a short amount of time by that next morning, I would, you know, I'd wake up, I'd go in there and I would properly dispose of everything and clean everything and put it right back on the altar. Um, which I mean, also I think is a good habit to get into is is keeping your altar spaces relatively like clean, just out of like a good habit. Because I feel like to some degree it's almost not really disrespectful, but it it's it shows that you do like care. I don't know. I'm yeah, no, I think it's the same thing. Like it. it's like the whole like uh, making the bed speech, like you know, like that one yeah. army guy that the whole making your bed thing. Like it's a small act, like sitting down to clean your altar space. It's a small thing. It's the same thing of we ever we, we got to dust things. We got to clean. You got to do your laundry. You got to make your bed. Um, these are just the small little things that you have to do throughout your day. And I often find that if my life feels chaotic, what I need to do is clean. Uh, what I need to do is get my room, my life back in order. So if your spiritual life mm -hmm. feels a little chaotic, maybe you should sit down at your altar space and get it organized. And I think that's a really good therapeutic way um, to get yourself more connected to your spiritual practice again. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say, I feel like it's a good way to also kind of connect too, because you you know, you know are you are touching items that you use for your spiritual practice, you know, and, and showing them respect by cleaning them and things like that. So yeah, I agree. I think it's, I was just thinking the same thing that it's it's a good way to connect with the items that you have on said space and with the space itself and especially if you have something that is uh you know uh, an altar space set particular for one particular deity it's a good way of you know almost connecting with them in a way like cleaning up their space yeah like uh actually i just did this a few days ago um, I was just walking by my altar and I noticed there was like laundry near it and stuff like that. And I was like, ah, I feel kind of bad. So I cleaned up the space real good. I sat down and kind of like you said, I kind of picked up and I touched uh, my spiritual objects and it gave me a second to reflect on them um, and think about those objects and like where they came from. And like I looked at something, I was like, I brought this all the way back from Germany and that's pretty cool. And I had a nice moment of reflection and gratitude uh, sitting there just looking and thinking about that object. Yeah, 100%. I think that's, I think it's a good habit to get into. I would say I would usually clean my, my altar spaces up, you know, uh, I would, I would always measure it by the sticks of incense that I had burned because I was like, <laughs> okay, that's, it's, it's getting, it's getting ashy on because most of my, my altar spaces were black, basically. Like they were, it was a black wood or like, you know, it was an old book, like a black bookcase that I repurposed as an altar space and also like a spot where I would keep everything as far as like incense and, and jars and other things that I've gathered along the way and things that I would kind of rotate on my, my overall like main altar space. Um, and, you know, it, as I would burn incense and stuff like that, uh, you know, ash gets everywhere and on a black surface, it turns it gray. And so I would kind of measure it by how, how many incense sticks I had burned and I could tell how ashy it was getting and how gray it was getting. I was like, okay, let's time to like, let's time to clean it. It's been like three sticks of incense that have been burned. Like, let's let's clean it up. And I would basically go through and clean everything. What are we talking about now? <laughs> I had a phone call. <laughs> yeah, we're sitting here watching call. you on the phone. And I was like, man, we got to roll this thing going. All right, he's on the phone. We got to keep it going. Uh, no, yeah. we're, we're just continuing the conversation of like, uh, you know, uh, like disgusting offerings that oh. we forgot about, like, and you like, know, and like cleaning, and, yeah. yeah, and cleaning altar spaces and stuff like that. Uh, dude, there was one. Okay. And I can't, I couldn't tell you when it was. I just know that this was, I know it was after we started having gatherings because I think what it was, was like, I had either went to a gathering and forgot it here at the house, forgot that I had left that offering kind of similar to Jacob when we went to California. Or it was I had went to go meet somebody, or I would go do a tattoo and was gone for a couple of days. But I had made the, I had done like made this like stew or a roast in a crock pot, and I left this big bowl on there, and that shit was just. Uh. 
<laughs> it looked like it had grown and then died again inside oh, the bowl. And it's, it was ridiculous as far as like, I think I was only done for like four days. So, we we yeah, all have that bad. container of shame in our fridge. We know it. Like there's one oh, thing yeah. in your fridge that you just refuse to throw away because you don't want to clean it up or whatever. And then you finally get to it and you open it up. You're like, oh. <laughs> oh, dude. No. Okay. So I got to throw Amber under the bus for this. So Amber has a really bad thing of like, she'll want to take stuff to work with her. And I can't tell you how many fucking uh, Tupperware containers I've went through because <laughs> she'll get it and she'll either leave it in the car that sits in her, uh, that'll sit in her lunchbox uh, for a damn week, two weeks before it gets brought in. I don't even clean it. I just throw this, throw it away. Oh, I, 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 I have done that so many times. I ain't doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I threw away a whole pot once. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I made like some soup or a stew and it had been in there for a long time. And I pulled that bad boy out. I looked at that thing and I'm like, nah, I ain't cleaning this. I threw it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, back to the kind of questions I had planned for this episode. I, I got a little derailed there, which is fine. I, I honestly, what I've been thinking about, uh, really, what this podcast provides, and it, you know, I don't want to put words in our audience's mouth or anything like that. But I think conversations like this are so important because I think when people get into this faith um, and when they've been practicing for a while, they feel like their experiences are abnormal. Like, you know, oh, I, you know, feeling bad about leaving your altar space a mess or having mold grow in your offering bowl. Um, like, you know, no, you're not, this isn't a you problem. This isn't like, you know, oh, you've offended the gods so greatly. We've all done it. It's something that's like just a universal pagan experience, I feel like, is to, is to mess up, is to have moments like this. So I really hope conversations like this um, allow our audience to feel normal in their practice, even though we practice something that is abnormal. Uh, like speaking on like a dirty altar just for a moment. So like, <laughs> yeah, you missed out on all that conversation because you were on the phone. But you can you can no, have no. one more. You can have. Well, one it was more. A, it was it was a phone call I needed to do. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so I always feel I always feel bad about it because it's my Odin altar. But I put everything that I get given as like a gift or you know anything that I pick up from like traveling and wandering and stuff on the Odin altar, and it just gets so built up and cluttered and then covered up and shit and everything but it, it's a it's a weird balance of trying to have all that on there because that's for you know all my stuff from wandering but it also not look like shit <laughs> yeah that's kind of how my like my overall like in general altar space would kind of be and that's why i'm glad that it was a, a repurposed bookshelf because it'd be like the very top part of it it was a smaller bookshelf kind of like what you would have like in a like I don't know in like your living room or something I don't know this is a shorter one it's only like a three shelf bookcase but that very top part of it is where I would actually have like stuff on it and then the shelves below would be a way for me to keep things organized like my offering supplies as far as yeah like I said incense sage etc and then items that I I would cycle through that had meaning or if I wanted to do something for a particular purpose I would cycle different like stones and gifts and you know things like that um throughout it and it was a good way i think it's actually a good piece of advice i would say as far as keeping your altars from being cluttered is have a have like you know your own sacred space where you keep set items and and just generally like cycle through them you know depending on if you want to do a seasonal thing if it's going to be something specific or you know sometimes it just feels good to change it up and just take something that's like okay you've had enough time on this space like i'm gonna pull you away put you in in this spot where I keep everything else and take something else that, you know, wants to be out and about. So I honestly, just for a little bit of advice to throw out there, I think that's a good way to keep your stuff, your altar spaces and just sacred spaces in general from being so, overly cluttered. Before I forget it, I do want to mention this here. This is something that I actually learned, um, I think back when I was into Buddhism. Uh, so in Japanese uh, traditional home setups, they have a tokonoma which is a, like basically a little cubby in the entrance of your house. And this is a part of like Zen practice is maintaining this. And so a tokonoma is essentially like an art display, like a very minimalist art display. You would have a painting, maybe a flower and like one family keepsake there. And you would rotate it 
every month or every time you have a new guest over and every time you would go into a traditional japanese home after you take your shoes off everyone would sit down there and appreciate the tokonoma and you could conversate about it talk about oh hey you know this painting was made by this artist this is you know this flower is growing this time of year and it was meant to be a conversation piece when you entered someone's house and i think uh, an altar space can kind of be this as well if you kind of rotate and maintain that space um, like that's kind of how my mantle space is in my house. I'm always rotating paintings up there and small little, you know, quotes or items um, that way that, because that's in the entrance in my home. And so when people come over, we can have a conversation about it. Um, it's not something I do all the time, but it's something that, you know, I definitely feel like I got from this Japanese practice. Uh, so one question I wanted to pose to you guys here. So we talked about our first offerings, or at least what we can remember from our first offerings. Uh, what is your like offering kind of setup now? Do you think it's something that's changed or evolved a lot? Or is it something that's basically the same as it was since the beginning? I would say mine has definitely evolved to some degree. I mean, obviously, in my current like living situation, I haven't really done anything in in like the in home, so to speak in a while just because I do have some limited space. Jacob, as you have seen, my stuff is pretty- It's a corner. Yeah, it's basically a corner compared to where I was at in New Mexico. I had a, a, a whole room to it all. So I've found that most of my stuff as of right now, since I've moved back has been more outdoors. Um, so it has evolved in that way. But I mean, just in general, even when I was doing stuff at home, it was, I would say once I found a solid practice and a solid, uh, uh, routine as far as how I would start offerings and giving all to like offerings and stuff like that. I, I had a, um, you know, a particular scent for incense that I would use, um, to help, you know, get me into a mindset. And it was kind of like that inducer of, okay, once I started like with this incense, I started getting that, that familiar smell. It's like, okay, I'm going to get into this mindset to make an offering. Um, I would do it similarly if I was going to do trans work, it was just like that way to kind of, you know, step out of reality or whatever you want to use but basically just kind of it would just get me in the right headspace to make offerings and, and etc um you know and it, it it definitely worked at least for me uh having like some sort of a routine and you know very very rarely did i ever change that out unless i was doing something very specific for a particular dd and i was like okay this particular instance or this particular uh offering needs to be done in this way. I wouldn't really stray too much. Um, so I would say after a while, I just, it, it has stayed this, I would say it has stayed the same or I've just developed a routine. Um, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of a little bit of both. It just depends on what I'm doing. I know for myself, it's more, it's kind of like, uh, I guess my like offerings have become, well, I feel like early on, y'all, it's, it's a lot of like, you're trying hard. I feel like for a lot of people, like I know for, like I know for myself, I tried to make big offerings because you wanted to try to make an impact with things. And this guy, I kind of got, guess kind of goes back to like earlier on in the podcast, I was going to say something in regards to what Ian had said when you were talking about um, worrying about like when giving a, an offering to a new God or goddess, like wondering how it is, worrying about it, all this. I've never had any issues with, the first offering I've given to anybody because I always feel like it's kind of like that icebreaker thing. There is like that mode of awkwardness, but I feel like overall, unless you actually give them something that's like insulting to them, like, I don't know, you gave Tier a glove or some shit like that. He might not appreciate that since he's only got one hand, you know, <laughs> just as a, just as a joke right there, but, um, or some pickled hair. Yeah. Pickled hair. Apparently don't like that. Um, but I feel like it's like, I feel like they're not that, at least for, in my experience, they were not, they're never that picky over like the first thing. Now, once you get into more in-depth work with them, then that's when you get into like the intri intricacies. Yes. Using my, yeah, my accent has to work through big word. Your accent <laughs> has to work through intricacies. Yes, that. <laughs> it's a hard word for me to say. I don't say fancy words like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of them Yankee words. It is. <laughs> but uh but yeah i wanted to throw that out there because i've been meaning i've been trying to say it and then i got on a phone call um but i feel like overall as far as offerings go i, I feel like they've gone from trying to be these big i don't really want to say showy but it's just like trying to get the, the attention of things because when you first start out you feel like it, you have to try so hard and now it's it's a lot more smaller concise 
um, and meaningful offerings um, that I give. Unless I'm at, unless I'm at like a gathering and then like, I'm, if we're in the middle of a ritual, I'm trying to give something that's, you know, if I'm giving like a whole bottle of liquor or something like that, which I don't do a lot, but sometimes I will. Uh, some Logan Schlager with his gold Schlager that he gives every prayer <laughs> ritual, like that 50 or $60 bottle of gold Schlager. He just pours into the fire. <laughs> I love the way that he does it. He has this like circular. Motion. Oh yeah. He has a, he has a ritual he it. behind it. He has this like, he does this like flick of the wrist <laughs> when he does it. <laughs> yeah. I would say like, uh, you know, like yesterday, you know, if you ask me when's the last time I gave an offering, I gave an offering yesterday. Now, what, what was it? I was out in the mountains. I was filming some videos and at the very end, you know, it was a very snowy and beautiful day, but also a slippery one. I actually almost slid off a cliff, uh, which was quite terrifying. And if you want to see that, check out the Heimdall video. I, I put that video in there, but yes, I almost slid off a cliff. And so after I was done filming, I had an apple in my bag. I always carry an apple with me. And anytime I go hiking, whether it's for snacking or for offering. And so I felt it necessary to give an offering basically to thank uh, the spirits of the land and to thank um, the goddess, you know, like Scotty, thank the gods in general, thank Heimdall and uh, all the gods I talked about that day. And so I just went up to this little hollowed out stump. You know, I, I kind of sp spoke a few words and I put the apple on the stump and that's all it was. And so I think really my, like kind of what you were saying is like my offerings have kind of de-evolved in a way I, I've moved away from these very dramatic gestures to something that's very small and genuine. Um, because I feel like I'm not seeking those big moments anymore. Those big moments can happen, but I'm not trying to force them at all. And I find that it's much better just to have a nice small little ceremony, have a nice small little offering, uh, you know, whenever you feel grateful. And I feel like that's more of an evolution in it too. Just, just off the fact that they're more true and, you know, like you said, genuine. Um, so one thing I kind of wanted to flip the script here on questions, uh, because again, I know this is something that our audience uh, probably goes through and maybe they think that they messed up. Uh, but have you guys ever had an experience? Well, I know you have, so you're lying if you haven't, uh, where you give an offering and you feel like it's going to be this big revolutionary thing. And then it kind of just fizzles and you're just like, nothing happened. <laughs> uh, so do you guys have any experiences uh, that kind of stand out when I say that? Oh God. Yeah. I mean, it's been, there's multiple. Yeah. It's just, it, the way that it's, it's like panned out has always been like, uh, oh, man, I'm trying to remember, I think it was an offering to Freya and I, I had, I had been wanting to work with Freya and I went to basically do this offering and basically in the middle of it, you know, I just, it just didn't feel right. You know, I, I got some stuff when they go give this offering and basically like in between it or shortly after starting, I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't feel anything. I just doesn't feel right. doesn't feel like the right time. Like it was almost frustrating. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to continue pushing through this because obviously it doesn't feel right. And it's just not the right time. Maybe who knows? And I basically closed it down and yeah, I was, I was, Oh, I was frustrated. I was so mad. And yeah, it, it felt like, like I had definitely done something wrong or like I, I, whether it was offering or, you know, I was the whole like week after that, I was just racking my brain. I was like, why did that feel right? Like what, what happened? Like, where did I go wrong with it? Um, that's definitely the one that speaks out the most to me. Cause yeah, like I, I had started it and it just halfway through, it was just like, nope, this is not the right time. Something is not right. So I should not push this or force this, this offering and basically just stopped and I, cleared the altar space um you know like i i closed it you know respectfully and everything like that i was just like obviously this is not not the right time or this is not my time or you know there's something else that i need to do before doing this and so i i basically wiped the slate clean so to speak and you know yeah it was frustrating it was absolutely frustrating and i've had that happen a couple of times where you've done stuff and it's just like you you expect greatness from it and then you get nothing and you just like sat there just like looking around kind of like okay something gonna happen at any moment now please and thank you yeah i had something kind of similar with uh with Nierfus. um and again this is probably something that i've mentioned on the podcast or talked somewhat about in the past because it tends to be what i do um but i had this like really profound experience with her uh doing this past life aggression it was like two weeks of me trying to figure out 
what what this was and it's after that like two weeks of research and talking to people that i trust in the community like logan because he's got a pretty good relationship with her and I, I thought that it was her but i wasn't entirely sure um and i, I was trying to like re-engage with that and give offerings and things and it's nothing nothing ever came up there was no you know you know no not even even like little uh little feelings or little signs or anything like it so i just took it just took it as like it's just not time for it right now but this is something that's going to be a part of my path at some point uh is working more with her well with you caleb i mean i don't know i think we've already talked about on the podcast before but like uh the odin ritual at yule gathering last year or 2020 oh my gosh we're it's to the point now we have to talk about gatherings like not just last year we have to say the specific year oh busy life oh yeah um, but yeah, that first Yule gathering, I mean, you know, that Odin ritual, you know, if you go back and watch the video, it looks like it went perfectly well, but it didn't, it definitely did not go the way you expected. No, it didn't go the way I wanted. And that was, I was thinking earlier, as far as like, do I talk about leading, like leading that ritual or do I speak about actually giving an offering? I think um, you can talk about both. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of times whenever you lead rituals and like, you don't like, you don't feel anything yourself. I know I don't generally like the ones that i've honestly like felt the most with are the odin rituals that we've been doing but it's because i'm i don't know it's it's like a weird i don't know it's a whole new weird thing well again like you know with and trying with that the odin rituals we've been doing recently are definitely like a step in the shamanic route so Mm. you know they're it's it's weird because they're very inward experiences because we have to go within ourselves, but like the way you're doing it is also helping other people. Cause they're also supposed to be going in themselves uh, in those yeah. moments. So yeah, the Odin rituals that I was going to bring that up here in a bit was, are definitely some of the more interesting rituals I've, I've been experiencing lately. Yeah. But speaking more on the one that Jake was talking about where like the, uh, the first Kentucky, Yule, that was literally in that, in, in that moment, uh, whenever, like I lost my fucking voice was I had, I fucking failed. Like that was literally the only thing in my mind was like, I fucking failed. And I couldn't believe that I failed. But then it did, you know, that was a whole, I think it was like the next day that I had come to, I'd come to reason and everything like that. And it was, you know, it's, a, it was more of a time for me to step back and to become a student as what far it- as like, I needed to learn more things before I was leading more. It is interesting that a year later we performed that the Odin rituals we, you know, we've been doing now, you know, mm. it really did take like a year off of Odin in a way, as far as you we were doing a lot of mostly, I think all your public rituals were Freyr, right? For the most uh, part. Freyr, Freyr and ancestors. Yeah. And so that was your first like foray back into Odin. Yeah. I had done a lot of like personal Odin stuff, but I hadn't done anything publicly. I will say of all the offerings I give, like, I would say like it is Odin most of the time that I'm just like, why don't you listen to me? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I give like, you know, some bourbon or something like that. I'm sitting there waiting for that, that tingle, waiting for that like big wave. And I'm like, where are you at motherfucker? (laughs) (laughs) Like, come on, I just gave you some bourbon. Come drink with me. (laughs) No, I I will say that was one thing that I, Odin was one thing that I felt when we were on in that car ride on the way down to the California gathering. And on the way back up, just because we were seeing all these amazing picturesque things. And I'm like, this is what wandering is supposed to be. You know, seeing all these things you don't normally see. Oh, dude, that the Mount Shasta, that first volcano was seriously like I was editing a video today and I used some of that footage. And I'm just like, that was like an otherworldly experience. It was pretty wild. Ian, this is why you need to like not have a job and just like come with us to every gathering. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying. (laughs) so I guess the, yeah, I would say definitely like, I can't name you one specific experience as far as a, a private offering I've given, but it's definitely, I feel like always been Odin. You know, I feel like I'll sit down at my, it, it's maybe why I always feel I don't use my altars very often. I have trouble connecting on an altar. Um, I, I have a much easier job uh, connecting when I'm out in nature, giving those small little offerings. And I feel like anytime I've sat at my altar and had like a big, you know, ritual plan or whatever for myself and I pour out an offering and I'm just kind of sitting there waiting for something to happen. And it's like, I don't know. I, I've just never really been able to connect with an altar practice personally myself. Um, but as far as like uh, successes, I want to flip the script um, and talk about what's an offering that you feel like was a big success. And I will say, you know, since we've already been alluding to that Odin ritual, uh, as of recent memory, uh, you know, kind of like what you said, Caleb, when I perform rituals, I don't necessarily get this big 
feeling. Um, like when I'm actually performing it, I think there's a lot of, you know, the performance anxiety as far as like, you know, oh, I want to make sure, you know, there's so much to it, you know, am I, where, where should I stand? What should I say? What if I mess up? What are my lines? Uh, you know, I, I need to care about other people's experiences. So there's a lot of things keeping you from your own personal spiritual experiences. Um, you know, but that Odin ritual will be performed at the Ohio Yule this, uh, this past year. That pre-ritual, man, that seriously, that pre-ritual was one of the most magical experiences I've had with Odin. Um, just having us all sitting there getting primal, you know, screeching, howling, uh, you know, and pouring the offerings into that big, big fire. And, you know, just the, what the fire was doing, like the vortexes from it, the wind, uh, you know, just all the sensations around that fire as we were pouring in was awesome. Um, and I definitely like, I feel like a, like a crack addict now because I'm really trying to seek that experience. Um, and I think it was just something about this the setup of it you know just i don't know that 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 pre-ritual for me was it was an amazing experience and definitely the you know the offering you know that was but that was one of the big moments like you give that offering and you're just like oh <laughs> so, yeah it's always uh doing the primal stuff like it that's always my favorite because it's the i feel like that's the the best and easiest way for for me to connect is doing doing shit like that and big fire. We I mean, <laughs> already had the big fire. fire. We already had the big fire podcast, Caleb. <laughs> I know, I know. Ian gonna get to be there though. <laughs> but yeah, you give me a big fire and a bottle of liquor to pour in big fire and make it bigger. I'm good. <laughs> I would say I would say for myself as far as like ones. I there's two two that come to mind. One would be. Um, like a group thing and then a, a, one that would be more of a personal i was a personal experience or offering uh, that really stuck out and was like oh like this is it um i mean i've, I've mentioned this one before was the Fulgia ritual meditation that darius and i did at this past fall gathering in pennsylvania and i will i will talk about this this ritual probably till the day i die and the hereafter um just because it was it was such a, a kind of on the fly idea that it, it came to me and like while we were discussing the rituals and everything that was going to be done um, for this gathering and it just popped into my head and I was just like, hey, I want to do something with Philgia and Darius was like the first person that popped in my head. I was like, hey, Darius, you want to, you know, basically it was like, hey, do you want to do a Philgia meditation ritual with me? And he was just like, yeah. So it was a completely, you know, on the fly, on the spot idea. And, you know, we, it, it took us maybe a couple of days worth of, of talking to each other and planning and we had an idea and a way, you know, that we, we were kind of have it, going to have it set up and everything. And it ended up changing, you know, it was initially meant to be something that we were going to do outdoors, but given how wet and rainy it, it kind of like was in that while we were there, well, it wasn't too rainy, but it was just, it was wet and swampy um, and the mosquitoes were just ridiculous in that location so we're just like okay well, let's do this inside so it changed a little bit and we expected you know maybe 10 people and instead we had everybody but three i think uh that ended up actually participating in it and it was just it was definitely one of those things where it was meant for definitely meant for the people that were participating in it and it was just the the experiences that everybody started talking about after that fact is what definitely got to me. And it was just, you know, it was such an, like I said, on the fly uh, idea that turned out to be, you know, something amazing for a lot of people. And then just to, to know that it had that effect on people, you know, it, it did, you know, both of us wonders, you know, just, just to hear that, like, that's what, you know, it's for, for at least for me when doing rituals, it's definitely for, the folk that are participating that are on the receiving end of that um so as far as group ones it's definitely like the one i was just like yes like this is what it this is what it's about um and as far as a personal one i would say my big breakthrough the big taboo with fenrir um no it was my big <laughs> yeah no it was my big breakthrough offering that i did with fenrir and it was you know it was a lot it was it was nuts you know, because I remember, I remember talking to you about it, like on the phone, like the next day after Jacob about it. And it was just, it was weird. Cause I was having like, 
as I was talking about it and thinking about it more, I kept having like more and more like realizations and like things that were just kind of tying into stuff. And I was just like, holy shit, like, this is it. Like, it was just, it was weird. It was a very surreal experience and just like the stuff that I experienced during the ritual and then thereafter, you know, the lingering effects. I was just like, oh, oh, like this is okay. Like this is, this is something. So as far as, yeah, big time experiences, I would say it was those. I mean, I've had some really intense hell ones, but uh, those are, for me, those are a little bit more regulars because I've, I feel like a lot of my, my experiences with her are just because I've, I've worked with her for so long and I've developed that relationship with her and that standing with her that for me, it's, it's, it would take something super hardcore. I feel like at this point where with regarding hell that I'd be like, oh boy, like this is huge. Or like, this is something like that next level with her, but I'm always willing to push it. You know, I got to maintain my edgelord extraordinaire mentality. <laughs> um, so we are getting towards the end of the podcast here. So um, I kind of wanted to leave it with any last minute advice for somebody. Let's say, you know, you get that message. You get that message. Hello. <clears throat> Hello. I just got into Norse paganism today. I've been practicing for six whole hours and I want to give an offering to the gods. How should I do that, Mr. Mr. Ian? Mr. Caleb, how sh how should I do that? Well, it's it is funny that you say that because I did have somebody message me um, earlier this past week, and my biggest thing—I mean, we've kind of said it before—is um, is one do the research. And what I've always kind of what I suggested to this person in particular was to start with something like the land of a tier. I always think starting with like land land spirits or potential like you know ancestor stuff is a good first step into an offering because I feel like that's where a lot of people uh skip over especially with like especially with land of a tier or just the land in general. I feel like that is a a very I'm gonna skip this step. I want to go start giving offerings to you know uh like Emir or you know, high, or like Surtur, if you want to get really crazy with it, and you know, oddball things like that, like, don't do that. That's silly. You know, that's just, it's, it's, that's, you got to take baby steps, you know, you got to take them steps to paganism on you know, the staircase. Um, and that's, that is what I suggested was go out into nature and connect with nature first, because that, that is, in my opinion, one of the, the easier first steps where you can go out there and just, do some very light meditation or just not, not even meditation, but just sit out there and just listen, you know, just listen to the, the sounds of nature around you. And that alone right there is just a good way to connect, like sit on a like fallen log or sit up against a tree, you know, with your back to it and just, just look up at it and just, listen, like, you know, just take in everything around you, um, you know, and, and make an offering to the land of here for allowing, you know, for enjoying being around them and, you know, help take care of and clean up some trash, you know, stuff like that. Um, that's, that's my best advice as far as offerings starting out, I would say is go for the land spirits. Uh, my, my thing that I've always told people whenever they're, they're brand new or they, they're asking me what they should do for their first one is I always tell them to go with what feels right within reason. Uh, sir, feeling right is giving an offering to Emir right now. And then your gender. <laughs> That's what feels right to me. I said within reason. <laughs> <laughs> now, generally, I'll, I'll try to point people towards which land. Like, I don't normally point people towards land material because you have, I don't know. Sometimes you get the weird people that they're like, "Oh, we don't have access to nature and stuff. How are you drawn to paganism?" But you know, um, get a plant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get yourself a money tree, pour some beer into it. Well, okay, don't do that. <laughs> but I always, but I, usually I'll tell people this, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I hark on ancestral work a lot, not in a bad way, but I hark on it as far as like trying to get people to give to their ancestors because I feel like it's something that a lot of people ignore. Um, and that was that was the biggest thing I did for basically like the first seven eight months that I was a pagan. Well, I gave to my ancestors at least every week, if not, you know, every few days. Um, and I've had people like whenever I tell them to get to their ancestors, they're like, well, I don't know how to connect with them. I was like, well, I mean, you have the perfect thing to connect with. Them. You have your blood. And I don't mean the way of giving it 
to them because you don't have, you know, there's no point in giving your blood to somebody who already has your blood, you know. But you're you're connected to them through that. All you have to do is call out to them. And she, I think, like early on, like I didn't even know what I was really doing. I just called out to them, and I had one that just answered that, that you know, reached back out to me. And I would I just grew, grew the practice from there. I would say, you know, from what I know of the my historical research and you know and travels and whatnot is more than likely the ancestors like you know the scandinavian ancestors that were actually pagan and, and whatnot their daily practice if one existed was probably more ancestral work it seems like from what we can tell from the sources that most god worship was done at the seasonal events at the seasonal you know gathering so to speak uh you know you got together and then at the temples or in the groves you would give to that certain deity but when you went home you didn't really necessarily do that you know it was more ancestral local work Yeah. And in the way that I've seen a lot of, like, I know my personal practice has, has evolved. It's like, it's really gone towards that anymore. I really don't give offerings to the gods very much. Uh, like once a month, once every two months, unless there's something big that I, you know, need to ask for, I ask guidance for or something like that. Other than that, it's a lot of, a lot of personal stuff on my, I've, I've got a whole new altar set up with George. If anybody remembers me talking about him on the <laughs> podcast. It's been a long time since I mentioned George. Um, Let's get George have, on a podcast. Let's see what he has to say. I could bring him on, but I don't know if he'll like it. I can wear the skull. We'll be like, George, what do you have to say? <laughs> <laughs> Onga, bonga. <laughs> oh, oh, but. I, a lot of my stuff anymore is like, I've got an altar that is like my work. Like that's where I do all my, my work is on the altar that he sits on. And it's, uh, it's a lot of ancestral stuff. It's a lot of, honestly, like I do a lot of my Philgia stuff there. And then, you know, trying to dabble and get into getting into like realm travel, past life regressions, things like that. Like that's most of my practice anymore. Um, so right before I give my advice and we kind of end this episode, I want to give a shout out. So, gentlemen, I don't know if you know this because I doubt you actually listen to our podcast because you're on it. But this podcast uploads around 8 p.m. on Sunday evenings. That way it's ready for people going to work in uh, in Europe is the reason I did that. Um, but when we upload this episode within the first hour, there are between two and three hundred people that download it and listen to it right away. That's insane. So I wanted to say and I want you guys to say because I'm telling you to. Thank you to those 200 to 300 people that the moment we hit upload, that means you guys have the notifications on. That means you have it saying when folk, folk podcast posts, you get, you click it immediately. Like two to 300 people. That's insane, guys. That's like multiple movie theaters full of people sit back and decide to listen to us right away. So to you, to 200, two to 300 people, I love you. You guys are rock. Thank you for listening to us. Talk. Yeah. 71 yeah. episodes for real. Yeah, you guys are thank awesome. Thank you. Yeah. That is, that is crazy. That is crazy to think about. Holy shit. Y'all are. Crazy. I never thought anybody would want to listen to my redneck ass. <laughs> I'm, honestly, I'm honestly curious now about how difficult it is for the people in Europe to understand my accent. Oh, they probably are doing like writing papers on it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We have to talk about the redneck pig and. <laughs> it's going to be wunderbar. Oh, man. No, that is that is crazy to think about. That's amazing. Well, yeah, I, will say, like, I feel like I'm pretty well spoken for a redneck. Yeah, we, man, I can't. I, I, it took me so long to get rid of your accent after we rode in the car for like 14 hours straight. <laughs> like, I got so red. We all got so redneck at the California gathering because of you. You're like a disease. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that my accent could get thicker. But being around people that were from Southern, like most people, they were from Southern and Southern and mid California. So they didn't really have accents compared to mine. And yeah, mine I was just thick as fuck. <laughs> right. And then I'm Kentuckian. So like I have an accent. I just hide it for video's sake and whatnot. And so we're just like rolling up to this gathering. Oh man, you got stick it snuck in the snow. Don't worry, we'll get you out right quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Got it, damn. Now, let me take my shirt off. That's gonna make me more aerodynamic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the reason the reason i got shirtless is i, I, I immediately had pelt. i had the pelt on and you know how hard it would have been to get out there and shovel that man's snow in a pelt the moment it was you were shoveling snow shirtless you know yeah, i know it was easier 
And then the <laughs> moment that John gets out of the car, the moment he steps out, he's like, oh, they need me. Remove shirt. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? It's a redneck uh, thing. Darius were just at the house, like, you know, like, huh, where's everybody at? Or No, it was me and Dell and... Uh, Oh, Casey was up there. No, Casey. I'm pretty sure Casey was up there. Because we all went out. I think it was, uh, and maybe Derek? Because Casey was the second one to show up after Dell and get get his struck stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no. Redneck is fine. Yeah, yeah, y'all have seen that belt. I mean, the people at home, if y'all watch the, if y'all watch any of the videos and you see that big ass red deer belt, especially if you're in Europe, you know how thick the pelts are on those things. It's warm as shit. You ain't getting outside <laughs> doing no work in that thing. I don't so, care how cold it so is. So pop off your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> pop off your deer pelt. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, once again, to you 200 to 300 people out here, you guys are awesome. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, but the last thing I'll say here to the person asking advice. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Caleb, for the advice. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you, uh, young guest. <laughs> oh, I'm losing my mind. It's been a long day. Uh, anyways, so if I had any advice, my advice I feel like has constantly changed. And I, I may do an updated video here soon on offerings with uh, historical sources and things like that, because I haven't made a video in a long time. Um, but as far as like offerings just getting started, I just have a reminder for you that this is a lifelong path. And I think I hit the nail on the head earlier when I said it's like crack. Like you get that big experience and it's awesome. That first big experience you have, it's the one that gets you into the faith. It's the one that opens your eyes. You're going to be chasing that the rest of the time you're in the practice. And you might get 20 experiences those a year. You might get one, you might get none. It's just, it's kind of just comes and goes and happens when it needs to happen. Um, But you can't chase it. You can't follow that white rabbit and constantly look for that next hookup. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people when they get into this path is they have that first big experience and then they're wondering, how do I get that to happen again? And then they constantly try and beat their head against the wall. They give a bigger offering. They change things up and nothing happens and it freaks them out. Um, Don't worry about it. Like, let those big experiences happen. I mean, I've been doing this for a while now. I've been talking about it for a while. And I've had months where those big experiences disappear. I give these massive offerings. I lead rituals and I don't feel anything. But it happens. Like, it'll catch back up. A big experience will happen. And I think the most eye-opening thing I can say to you is that even if the go- you don't feel the gods or you don't feel that big offering, they're still around. You know, the ancestors are still around. The spirits of the trees are still around. It's often us who block feeling those things. And I usually have to have that wake up call at gatherings, sitting back around a fire with the people that, you know, I just met or have been known for a long time talking about the gods. That's what this religion is really about. Or sitting out in the trees in the middle of a field or up on a mountain or in in a lake. You know, those are the reasons that we follow this path. And, you know, you are going to get lost in the sauce, but that's okay. But try not to beat your head up against a wall. Like this is a lifelong path. Take it one step at a time. It's like a staircase. It's like a staircase. Take that step and you'll be okay. Uh, but don't try to rush it and don't chase that crack. Otherwise you fall down the stairs. And you're smoking that crack. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, okay. There you go. It's like those kids, you know, in high school that like would climb up the staircase and they would try to take like as many steps as possible to be cool. And they would mm-hmm. always like, I can Eat remember. Shit. Yeah, yeah. They're just like taking up the four steps. Like, oh, look at me. I hit puberty. I'm super tall. Maybe it's just because I'm slightly short that that bothers me. I was saying, I feel slightly targeted as was right now. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah, personally attacked right now. Yeah, they're wearing those hoodies that have like, you know, like, um, you know, like really aggressive things on the back and they're like fur, but they're really skinny and they have like those tinted glasses that change. Yeah, there's a whole look. There was a whole breed of people in my high school like that. <laughs> <laughs> those few people out there are like, I feel targeted. <laughs> I will say if it makes you feel any better about like the short legs thing, like the only like the thing that would piss me off the most about not go hunting is we would always be on farmland. You had to cross barbed wire fences, and I would tear the fucking crotch out of like every pair of hunting <laughs> pants I had because my goddamn legs were short. <laughs> That's oh, what I was like, man. if I was only like two inches fucking tall, it'd be so much <laughs> I just need two more inches. That's all I need. Heard that before. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, guys, we need to get a woman on the podcast. We're getting there's too, there's, there's too many guys. It's getting rough. I can't believe that we've not made that joke with, with three dudes. 
And one was in the military. Oh, I mean, again, California gathering. Oh, man. I was just like, I'm just going to close my ears, guys. (laughs) You all (laughs) ex-military dudes. like. Oh, yeah. Four ex-Marines. I will say, dude, Southern Yule, there was a lot of raunchy jokes. But it was funny. (laughs) Everybody was fucking down with it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, anyways, I do want to say we actually are seeking guests for the podcast. It's been a while since we've had one on. Uh, but we also haven't really gotten any emails about anyone uh, wanting to be on the show. Uh, so if you are interested to be on the Folk Podcast, we are checking those emails. So please email us at thefolkpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so the original concept of the show was to hear your stories and talk about them. Um, so if you feel like you have an interesting story or just have a, a story like everybody else about coming into the faith, we want to hear it. We want to talk about it. So shoot us an email over there. Uh, let us know why you want to be on, what you want to talk about, a little bit about yourself. Um, that's that's one thing I will say. Like if someone just sends us like, hey, I want to be on the podcast and like nothing else that's something we're usually like um no so please send us a little bit of information about yourself but we would love to have you on the podcast chat it up um so please shoot us an email over there and that's it that's the end of this episode go home or or go to work or or get out of the gym go go outside go outside hey hey (laughs) and until the hall let's go let's go